Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. I'm Jen. I'm a pastor and an entrepreneur, a maker and a minder, a CEO and a manager, a leader and a follower. I'm guessing most of you could substitute the pastor part for whatever your primary title might be and say many or all of the same things. Very few of us are just one thing. We fill many roles and we wear a lot of hats and that's just in our professional lives. Add to that the idea Laura and John shared in the last episode about the professional getting personal, and here we find ourselves trying to sort it all out. But what if our greatest strength is in the opportunity to be more than just one thing? What if being a good follower makes us an even better leader? And what if great employees turn out to be the best accidental entrepreneurs? Laura and I are getting ready to start a series on entrepreneurship. But today, I get to share a little of my story of becoming an entrepreneur and some thoughts on how to know if you're ready to take the leap. Basically, this is an episode of Real Talk with a fact-checking guest appearance from Clark on Memory Lane as we share our tale of two entrepreneurs. We're never just one thing, and we're never really going it alone. And let's be honest, most of the time, we have no idea what we're doing. I've shared the illustration so many times over the years of an interviewer who was talking to Mother Teresa toward the end of her life and asked if she had known where she would end up and what her life would look like, would she have said yes to God's call? And her answer was no. And I I think she went on to talk a little bit about the fact that we say yes, having no idea where we're heading up. And fortunately, we only get to know enough along the way to say yes. And that takes us to the next places. And if we're lucky at the end of the journey, we get to say we're glad we ended up the places that we did, even if it was hard and even if it was crazy and more than we ever imagined we could take on. And while I don't at all claim to be anywhere remotely on par with Mother Teresa, I do identify with that part of her story. I never set out to be a lead pastor of a church, much less a church planter who would start a church from the ground up. And again, not even understanding that that would mean essentially wearing distinct hats of being a CEO, a a leader, a president, a, a head of a nonprofit organization, and also filling the role of pastor, which those go hand in hand in the world that I live in, and yet two very distinct pieces of the puzzle. 
But I just want to say up front that I never saw myself heading in that direction. That wasn't something that crossed my mind when I was in school preparing for the things I was going to do. Um, or even in the early years of my ministry, I was quite content to be an associate pastor in a large church. It meant that I could do things and teach things and run in a lot of different directions. And I loved that, getting to be parts of lots of different things and have my hands deep into parts of the church that I was working in. But as it often happens, there were people around me that started to see and sense things before I did. And I'll never forget the day that the senior pastor that I was working with sat me down and said, Jen, I'm happy to have you here and I hope you're here for a long time, but at some point you're gonna have to decide whether you would rather be the captain of your own garbage truck or second in command on the Starship Enterprise. Now, if you can all look past the, the Trekkie nod there for a minute with the Starship Enterprise, I remember him saying that to me and thinking, oh gosh, of course, I wanna be second in command on the Starship Enterprise. I don't need to be in charge. I don't even want the burden of responsibility, but how cool to be on this incredible ship and get to be part of amazing things. And, you know, who would want to be captain of their own garbage truck? And I can tell you, as it turns out, I do. <laughs> and I did. And I will continue. And that is not at all to say that the organization, the church that I am privileged to lead is a garbage truck. It is actually anything but. It is a joy and will definitely be one of the greatest privileges of my life to have gone down this path. But I do love the question. So let me step back into that question again for a minute. Of It really comes down to, is there something in you? Is there an idea? a passion, back to the conversation Laura and I were having on dreams. Is there something that is bubbling around inside of you that you would rather take on that thing and see it come to life, um, even if it means walking away from something far more established and organized and put together? And I think that question is at the heart of what leads a lot of people to being entrepreneurs when they maybe never realized that's where they were heading or anything that they necessarily wanted to be. And I know that that is a big part of my story. I would have had no idea how to even put a frame of reference for what it would be to start an organization. I think back to the early years of having said yes and putting together teams and thinking through all the external pieces that made sense to me and then finding myself in the day-to-day -day completely mired down in realities like we needed insurance to have the liability coverage to meet in a public high school. And I remember the first time we brought someone on staff and having to figure out 
payroll and sorting through all of these things that I had no training in and I had no organization around me and going, I didn't set out to do this and now I simply have to figure it out. And so what I want to offer in this real talk moment, and again, this is all just a setup to Laura and I getting ready to talk about entrepreneurship, not just in the sense of starting and owning and having your own organization, but also how entrepreneurship has a place in a bigger corporate setting, how we can be entrepreneurs, again, those many roles inside of organizations and as part of projects and all sorts of different things. And so as we get ready to have that conversation based on my journey into being an entrepreneur, I want to offer three more clarifying questions for anybody who might be thinking, is there something that I feel like I want to do, to own, to create? And is that a direction that I'm heading? And so beyond the captain of your own garbage truck or second in command on the Starship Enterprise, and that might be all some of you came here for today, that's enough, go chew on that. But here's three more clarifying questions. The first is your vision, whatever it is that is bubbling up inside of you, is your vision helpful to the organization you're currently in or has it simply become disruptive because it's actually meant to be its own thing. Now, here's what I mean by that. Um, there is a difference between things that are disruptive in a healthy sense and then disruptive in a negative sense. And so sometimes it does help in established organizations, people that are gonna disrupt the mechanism, people that are thinking outside of the box, pushing the envelope, forcing us to get out of the status quo. And that kind of disruption can be incredibly helpful. In fact, it's necessary in any organization. But there's also a point at which when you find yourself consistently being the disruptor, that you may need to step back and ask yourself a question of whether you are now disrupting the organization in a helpful way or pulling towards something that actually is different and needs to be its own. So in some of those years when I was the associate pastor at this large, established, traditional church, part of the reason they had brought me in was to start some new ministries. I was starting new ministries with young adults. I was doing different kinds of things. And then we started a Saturday night worship experience. And all of that was well and good, but then I was reading all sorts of things about how to reach people that no one else was reaching and doing these things that were just so far outside of the box. And at first, I could tell that I would walk into the senior pastor's office and he would be excited and there'd be this sense of, oh, here she comes. Like, what, what does Jen have next to put on the table? And then over time, I watched as his face shifted to, oh my goodness, here she comes, what now? <laughs> and I remember multiple times back to this ship metaphor that if we get away from the ship that was the Starship Enterprise, I remember him saying to me, Jen, you have got to slow down and back off because I've got to keep this entire big ship afloat. 
And the truth was, I was just so caught up in pushing for things that I was no longer paying attention to whether they were a good fit and a right fit and a cohesive piece of what was happening in that church that was really good and serving a lot of great needs. There was just something inside of me that was pulling in a different direction. And that was part of what started to push me toward, am I ready to captain my own garbage truck? Is it time for me to stop trying to turn this organization into something it's not and doesn't need to be because I need to do something different? And so I offer you all that question of, is what you're doing helpful or has it become disruptive because it's actually something different? The second question that I would throw out there is if you didn't need the money, and I know this is crazy land, but if money were not an object, would the thing that you're thinking about, dreaming about, bubbling up, keeping you up at night, would you do it for free? Is it something that you are so passionate about that if you didn't have to worry about paying any bills, you would just do it because you really want to do it? It pushes you to get up in the morning. It drives you to make an impact in this world. I remember Laura and I's dad always telling us, and I'm sure lots of you have heard this other places as well, but the idea that find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I can tell you, and if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that both Laura and I work really hard at the jobs we do. And a lot of times it's not fun and it is hard work. And yet, I can say very clearly that I'm doing work that I love and that I believe in. And if I could do it for free, I absolutely would do it for free. In fact, one of my dreams is that eventually I can do it for free. Um, that's a wholly different conversation um, for another podcast. But it's a good gut check question for you. Is this thing that you're dreaming about, maybe you do need to make money doing it. But is it something that you're so excited about that drives you so much that you're like, man, this would just be fun. I would love to create this. I would love to do this. I would love to give my time, my energy, and my talent to this. And financial compensation is really um, next to not important at all. So that's the second question. If you didn't have to make money, is this something you would do for free? If so, there's a good chance it's something you need to pursue. The third question is one that I don't know that any of us is ever fully in a position to answer. And this is why a lot of us end up being accidental entrepreneurs. But I still want to throw it out there because it's worth considering. And it's the question of, are you willing to do whatever it takes knowing that you probably have no idea what that whatever may be. <laughs> Starting something on your own when the buck stops here, when there's a high chance of failure. Are you stepping into something knowing that you have made the commitment of, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to commit myself to this. I know that it's going to be hard. And again, we all say those things from the outside. I think that was, if I'm being really very honest, I think that I am such a competitive person that the idea that church planting was hard 
made it attractive to me, made it something that I was pulled to because I liked the romantic notion of something being really hard. Now, I've been in it long enough to know that it's not romantic at all. And once you're in it and you realize what hard actually is, um, it's a good thing you didn't know before you started. But you still have to ask yourself that question of, do I have enough passion for this so that when the day comes, not if the day comes, when the day comes that I want to quit? Because this is so hard, because this is calling everything out of me. When the day comes that I want to quit, am I so convinced that this is worth doing that I'm going to be able to push through? Now, there's a lot of pieces we can talk about that Laura and I have already talked about with this is why it's important to have teams of people around you um, to, to help pull in some of those moments when you're struggling. But those are just three questions that I want to throw out to get everybody's minds churning as we get ready to have this entrepreneurship. Because I think for a lot of people, especially as disruptive as the last few years have been in the workplace, we've all been reading the articles about the great resignation and so many people are shifting and being able to ask those questions of what am I heading to next and am I ready to put legs under this thing inside of me that I really feel called, um, that I really feel propelled to do. And so I hope those three questions are helpful for some of you. And I am going to stop talking to myself at this point because I want to take you to memory lane with one and only my husband, Clark Williams. So here I am on memory lane with my favorite, Clark. He's been on here before, but for some of you, if you may not have met him, so to speak, this is my husband, Clark Williams. He is financial advisor, extraordinaire, and co-parent of the two boys eating us out of house and home. Is mm -hmm. that fair? Mm -hmm. That's very fair. Okay, so Clark, here we are on memory lane. Memory lane. And been talking about entrepreneurs and wearing many hats mm -hmm. and I have a question for you because I have a very vivid memory my memory of where I was driving through Walterboro South Carolina <laughs> the day I called you coming back from this three-day conference that quite frankly I was invited to I had no idea what it was about so I, I really don't have a good memory of why I said yes to going to this thing that I didn't know what it was about and turned out it was about church planting which I had never thought about before. And on the way home from said retreat, I called you as I drove through Walterboro, South Carolina and said, so, hey, I think we're supposed to plant a church. <laughs> and I would just like to know what your memory of this particular season was. So it's funny, I actually remember it a little bit differently. I remember us having the first conversation, the first conversation I can remember about it was us being on a walk together on the Sawmill Branch Trail out behind the house where we used to live. Um, but either way, I think my first memory was, okay, <laughs> sure, why not? 
Which is hilarious because I think it's funny that I remember calling you, but it was so out of the blue that it's actually not surprising that the first conversation like wasn't even registering yet for you. Correct. Because I didn't even know what I was talking about. And so then I do remember the walk that you're talking about. And that is a very fair statement that you from the get-go were just like, sure. Why not? You didn't even ask a lot of questions, zero hesitation. And if we had only known then, what we know If we'd only known. <laughs> it might have been a different conversation. Oh, it would have been a definite difference. But that's the thing, you know? I mean, if, if, we, if we knew what we were getting into with any of the stuff we were getting into. Yeah. No, that's so true. I feel like I use the story all the time about um, the interviewer. We'd still have our kids, wouldn't we? I mean, maybe. You know? <laughs> well, that's interesting, Clark. I'm glad you brought that up because this conversation was pre-kids. And so mm-hmm. I think that probably played into our, sure, right. why not? Okay, so, but while we're on this memory lane trajectory, let's fast forward to now we do have not only one child, but two child. We're two children. Two childs. <laughs> two childs. <laughs> this is, they've taken all of our brain cells. And at this point, we're a few years into the church plant. You also have another full-time job, but have been recruited and invited to consider a life as a financial advisor with Edward Jones. Mm-hmm. And I remember a different walk around our current neighborhood <laughs> where you floated that idea to me. Do you remember that walk? Oh, gosh, vaguely. I mean, very vaguely. So, yeah. I, refresh me. Well, I just remember walking, and I remember that you had been unhappy for a while in your job, so you were definitely looking for something. 100%. But, and all we both really knew was that this was a commitment that if you were going to do, it needed to be something you were going to at least commit to for a few years because oh, yeah. we knew that the first few years building a business were the hardest. Yeah. I say we knew that. That was what the people you were telling this. you. Yeah. And, and I you knew from other advisors. This. Correct. And you knew this from having done and, you know, having essentially done the same thing yourself. I had no clue what I was getting into or yeah. not fully. Yeah. Well, and I think the confusing part of this one, so been talking in this episode about how we end up, you know, none of us are in these single lane, one role mentalities. Like we all have multiple hats that we wear in what we do. But I remember walking into this, trying to get our heads around what would it look like for you to be a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. But one of the trickiest parts for me to comprehend, I think you tried for so long to get me to fully understand this, but I was so confused about the fact that you were going to join this big company. You know, Edward Jones is a, is a large company. The first year you made several trips to their corporate office in St. Louis, but then trying to explain to me that even though you were part of this big company, you owned your branch essentially is how the model works. Like it's, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. essentially your business. And so if I can put it in really simple terms to where the times where I feel like I looked at you like a crazy person, I was like, so you're part of a big company, but we're buying the stamps. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and still kind of, but not really. It's like, yeah. 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 So did you think of yourself? Let me ask you this. Now this is full soul searching in front of an entire podcast audience. We've never talked about this. Okay. Like, did you think of yourself at the time? Did it ever cross your mind? 
I am becoming an entrepreneur. Is that ever a no, role that no. you associated? No, no, not at all. And it took a while too for me to really even think of myself as a business owner. I think, I think actually one of the first times I really started to think of myself as a business owner was when, uh, because I didn't start off having my own like office per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off working out of another financial advisor's office. That's part of the the model that our practice or our, our business uses. Um, and so I worked out of his office and then I subsequently worked out of another advisor's office as I was building my practice for the first several years. And so I finally, after maybe, maybe three, four years, moved into my own office. And then... I think when my name was on the door and I saw my name on the door, it's like, okay, now there's a little bit of a realization of, okay, now I'm a business owner because you're running, you're running, you're running, you're running trying to just, you know, keep things moving and stay, you know, afloat and do the things you're supposed to be doing. And then you realize, okay, now there's ownership. Yeah. Now there's ownership. And now you really start to build a practice, build a business. Yeah. Well, and we could talk for a long time about the high-level things that you and I both do in essentially owning our own businesses. Mine's a nonprofit, so it's it's different. But at the same time, being the captain of our ship, so to speak, running these organizations and, mm-hmm. you know, on a high level, you're meeting with clients, you're helping people with retirement and college and all of those kinds of things. I'm over here with the church and, you know, teaching and preaching and, and organizing staff. But I think the part that you and I would come back to if we're talking about this journey we've been on into entrepreneurship that neither of us fully realize we're walking into is perhaps the less glamorous side and this so this is the other place i want to go today on memory lane clark of being a part of each other's worlds in the crazier aspects of when it's yours it's yours and so to your business clark i want to take us to a painful moment a painful memory and it was the painting of your office wall. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh gee. That's not even that long ago either. It's not. That's not even that long ago. Is it yeah. too soon? No, it's not too soon because we'll do something about it eventually. It's just a Okay, but you have to tell them the story. Alright, so I we we were going in because our wall, our front wall, it's our accent wall wall, right when you walk in and it's the first thing that you see. Yeah. Um it's a hunter green. I've never really liked the color. I think it's it is what it is. But it's it's on brand, so we kept it the same color. Anyway, it had gotten all And I was a proponent up. for that. You asked my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Decor, absolutely. I was like, yes. Let's stick with the classic. People are going to recognize the branding. As a business owner, you absolutely weighed in yeah. on that. So, yeah. so anyway, it had gotten it, it had gotten dinged up and nicked up. So we needed to repaint it because it looked like junk. And so we go in to repaint the wall. Jen's in there. The boys are also in there, and we're trying to maintain. It was a Saturday chaos. family affair. Oh, it was Let's a family go affair. Paint Dad's right. office. Oh, it was a family affair. And then we, I've got a ladder, and. <laughs> Climbed up the ladder and put a paint can on the ladder to paint from the top to the bottom. Got down from the ladder. Forgot that I still had the paint bucket on the top of the ladder. Shifted the ladder back toward me. And without even realizing it, the bucket falls down straight into... Not just onto... So... First, the bucket goes straight into my forehead. The lid of this half to three quarters full bucket of paint goes straight into my forehead. This is a full gallon. 
Oh, oh, yeah. It's a full thing of paint. This. Just imagine a full thing of paint. Yeah. Half to three quarters of it is full. It falls right on my forehead, gashes my forehead, and then goes right onto our carpet. Not hardwood, but carpet. I don't know if hardwood made it would have made it a lot better, but carpet was awful. Yeah. And so I didn't even, I, I was just panicking in this moment. This was a moment of sheer panic. I'm like, okay. <laughs> It's all over the floor. Usually in crisis, by the way, I like to actually think I'm okay in legitimate crisis, like in health crisis. I actually do yeah. fairly well. In this moment, it was like, that's bad. What Paint was everywhere. It was real bad. But I didn't even realize I was bleeding. I was like bleeding. You were bleeding. In fact, you were bleeding and the gash was such that you were panicking about the floor. I looked at you and started to panic about whether A, you were going to need stitches and B, you had a concussion because not only was there gash, this gash across your forehead and y'all, Clark has no hair. So we're talking like full head, like it's just, it's all you can just see in case everybody on his head. Look, you <laughs> but, rock the look, babe. You rock the look. You're setting the standard. So, but I'm just saying, so this is this very pronounced thing across your head. But then I looked at the paint can. And this gallon paint can oh, yeah. was completely dented, yeah, it was dented. from the impact mm -hmm. with your head. And so, and so ironically, then I go and run next door to Sherwin-Williams to see if they have like any paint. <laughs> Remember, I don't know what's going to get paint out of a carpet, but I went over there in like some kind of a frenzy and I'm, I'm asking them what they've got. Yeah. And I think they're looking at me like, do, do, do you, do do you, you know realize you've got uh, a pretty significant gash right there in the middle of your skull? Yeah, so I realize this is a painful memory. The stain is still on your office. Still there. <laughs> still there. May or may not be moving offices, and we're going to pull up the carpet if we don't, though, but it's still there. These are the less glamorous things, though, that if we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, the idea that if it's yours, it's yours. You, there's not somebody else coming in to paint the accent wall. It's you and the wife and the boys, and I don't know how many times you have been up late with me putting like paper cart guards around candles before Christmas or the times we've been blowing up balloons and the number of tables that you have moved in my portable church career <laughs> is beyond what we could possibly count. And so it has been a journey of us discovering what it is to be. It's been fun. It has been it's fun. It's been fun. I think there's a lot of stories that we could continue to tell. But Clark, thank you so much for joining me on Memory Lane, for reliving some of these moments that you and I collectively said yes to things that we had no idea we were saying yes to. You and got it. Here we are. That's Memory <laughs> Lane. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Laura and I are excited to kick off the new series on entrepreneurship in our next episode. We hope that if these episodes that you're listening to with the Sisters of Industry are helpful to you, if you're taking something away from them, please share and please let us know what's helpful and what you'd love to hear more of. I also want to remind you that our reading with the sisters coming out of this next series is going to be a book called The Great Game of Business by Jack Stack. This one's been around for a while and Laura and I are eager to dig into it. And so we want to invite you as always 
to pick up a copy, read it, and get ready to um, join us in a few weeks as we have a discussion on that book. Y'all, we love doing this. We hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life.